You are entering a place where no opposing team comes out alive. This is the Lion's Den. Welcome to the Lion's Den on MSU Impact Sports. My name is Aaron Jordan, your host as always here on the Lion's Den. And actually, the Cincinnati Bengals did come out of this game alive, guys. Don't know what to tell you. A 54-yard field goal is how the game ended by Mike Nugent. 27-24, Cincinnati was the final. Here are your game stats. Matthew Stafford, 28-51 of 51, with three touchdowns and 357 yards thro- passing. Reggie Bush, 50 yards on 20 attempts. You can say easily that it really wasn't the best game for him. Calvin Johnson, nine receptions for 155 yards and two touchdowns. Brandon Pettigrew had the other touchdown for the Lions with three receptions and seven yards. Defense didn't really have that great of a day in the passing game. They allowed 372 passing yards, 57 rushing yards, and there were four penalties for 30 yards. Um <clears throat> His game for Calvin Johnson included just what I consider to be a classic Calvin Johnson catch. Calvin Johnson is one of those receivers who absolutely never ceases to amaze me. And I think a lot of people in the NFL can say that as well, whether you're a Lions fan or not. It's hard to argue that Calvin Johnson truly is one of, if not the best wide receivers in the NFL. How many wide receivers can you throw to while they're in triple coverage in the end zone, and he'll still jump up and catch the ball? The answer is not many, if any. You got Des Bryant coming out and possibly saying that he thinks he's better than Calvin Johnson. He, of course, comes out and denies it because I feel like personally he doesn't want Calvin Johnson to just explode on him. He doesn't want to have the Tiger Woods versus Rory Sabatini effect where Rory Sabatini pretty much uh, trashed Tiger Woods saying he's better than he was, and Tiger Woods came out and laid a beat down on him. I got to say, you can't really say same old Lions, though, for the way this game ended. The Detroit Lions really didn't play that bad of a game. Did Was their defense, was their pass defense not so good? Yes, you don't see normal teams allow 372 yards. Chris Houston got burned on another touchdown for the second straight week. Andy Dalton was 24 for 34. And it just goes to show you that the Bengals maybe have a little bit less of a, about the same of a balanced offense as the Detroit Lions do. Lions just had more opportunities. No turnovers in the game. As I said, four four penalties for 30 yards for the Detroit Lions. And that's actually pretty good. I'm, there's no one really who has been more critical of the Lions and penalties than me. Well, perhaps my dad, but I mean, he and I have the same conversation all the time about the Lions. You can't take penalties and expect to be a good team. At least not the number of penalties that the Lions are known for taking. Four penalties for 30 yards, considering this team is not bad. They've been known to be undisciplined in weeks past. That's what I've been harping on all season. And that's and part of the reason you can't say same old Lions. Did Chris Houston get burned on a long touchdown? Yes, those things happen. Did Sam Martin shank a punt that ultimately helped set up the game-winning field goal for Nugent? 
yes, those things happen. The thing you got to understand, guys, is those things happen with any team, whether you're the New England Patriots or you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. The only difference is if you're a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, worst team in the league right now, along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, both of those teams are still winless. But if you look at those teams versus the good teams, the bad teams, it just happens more often. You're going to see guys on the New England Patriots get burned every so often. You're going to see guys on the the middle-of-the-road teams get burned every so often. It just happens. It's football. The thing that I didn't like about the Lions game this week is how many passing yards they allowed. And that just goes to my point that even though the Lions may be a better team than they were last year, they still have a long way to go before they truly do anything in the playoffs, in my opinion. If this secondary gets struck by lightning and it can all of a sudden allow less than 200 yards in a game consistently, then I might buy it. If you can allow less than 200 yards in a game against a good team, I'll buy that the secondary is improved. Rashawn Mathis was a very good addition for the Detroit Lions, especially considering Darius Slay does not appear to be ready yet. Darius Slay is very raw talent. You got a guy like Chris Houston, though, who on any other team, if it weren't the Detroit Lions, on any other team would be probably a second cornerback, if not maybe even a nickelback. Houston's good. He's definitely one of the better defensive backs the Detroit Lions have. At the same time, that doesn't say, that doesn't say much. Glover Quinn was probably one of the best pickups they had in the offseason. Considering who they had at safety a year ago, and honestly, looking back, I don't even remember who they had at safety a year ago. It may have been Eric Wright. I'm not entirely sure. Because they were they were shuffling between him and Amari Spivet after a while, and Amari Spivet was one of those that was just hot and cold, to say the least, when he was healthy. Louis Delmas is a very good defensive back for the Detroit Lions when he's healthy. But the thing is, you have to be able to stay healthy in order to make an impact. Delmas needs to prove that he can stay healthy over a 16-game season, possibly the playoffs, in order for him to make an impact on this team. The Lions secondary was so depleted back in 2011-2012 when they played the New Orleans Saints. That's part of the big reason that Drew Brees had a field day against the Lions. I still don't trust the Lions secondary. We'll see how that goes over the season. The Lions lost to a very good Cincinnati Bengals team. It wasn't like the Arizona Cardinals that they lost to a few weeks before where you could possibly say same old Lions, but again, it also comes down to how you lose. Good teams have lost to bad teams before. We all know this. But it's the way you lose a game that defines who you are as a team. It's the way you win that defines who you are. It's obviously the way you play, but especially the way you lose. You can tell if a team is on the improvement if they lose close games and they play well. The Lions played very they, they, they played well in this game. I'm not going to go on to say they played great. I'm not going to even say they played very good. They played well. 
It's that simple. Matthew Stafford looked relatively comfortable. He missed a few deep balls, but again, you need to make those passes if you're going to be an elite quarterback. Stafford is not an elite quarterback yet. He could be. He's just not yet. Akers was one for two on field goals. Sam Martin had a total of 173 yards punting, including he had the 28-yard uh, shank towards the end of the game that helped set up the the field goal for Mike Nugent. <clears throat> Calvin Johnson, your leading receiver, of course, nine receptions, 155 yards. The one that came even close to that was Kevin Ogletree, and he had 105 yards less. He had two receptions for 50 yards. Coming up next, we've got a national recap and some interesting news in that. You're listening to the Lions Den on MSU Impact Sports. Welcome back to the program, and you may be wondering what in the world that sound effect I played was at the beginning. And the truth of the matter is, it was just to have something ridiculous in there, because the next topic we're going to talk about is a bit ridiculous. Ladies and gentlemen, the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, the New York Giants got their first win, finally. But it took playing what I considered to be an absolutely pathetic Minnesota Vikings team to do that. New York Giants won 23-7. to Eli Manning passed for 200 yards. And uh, Christian Ponder is actually slated to start for the Minnesota Vikings next week because Josh Freeman is out, might be out with a concussion. Freeman was 20 for 53, 190 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. This is the first game this season, I believe, that Eli Manning hasn't thrown an interception. He threw for one touchdown. The numbers were practically opposite. No touchdowns, one interception for Freeman, one touchdown, no interceptions for Eli Manning. Peyton Hillis, in case you forgot about him, actually got a touchdown for the Minnesota or the New York Giants. He on 18 carries, rushed for 36 yards and one touchdown. His longest was an eight-yard. Don't trust the Minnesota or the New York Giants running game. <clears throat> Adrian Peterson, fantasy owners, if you're like me, you are very disappointed this week, and you are about calling for the offensive coordinator's head of the Minnesota Vikings simply for the fact that Adrian Peterson only carried the ball 13 times. You have the best running back in the league. Are you going to tell me that you only hand the ball to him 13 times, all while giving a quarterback who has been in your system for two weeks, maybe a little less, are you going to tell me that you let him throw the ball 53 times, all while only letting the best running back in the NFL carry it 13 times and get 28 yards in the process? Greg Jennings only had four receptions. That's the best. He was the leading receiver for Minnesota. The only touchdown came on a Cheryl's punt return, an 86-yard punt return. 
That was the only touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings. The offense was anemic. And this comes down to coaching in a way. You could put a guy in there who's only been in your system for two weeks. Fine. Maybe he's your best option, or so you think. You've got Adrian Peterson. How many times have I said this on this show? The easiest job in the NFL is the Minnesota Vikings quarterback. Christian Ponder had the easiest job in the NFL last season when he was handing the ball off to to Adrian Peterson. Josh Freeman has the easiest job in the NFL right now. All you have to do is hand the ball to Adrian Peterson. Did they do that? No. And that comes down to coaching. That comes down to play calling. Adrian Peterson's healthy. He's healthy, and you are only handing him the ball 13 times in a game. His longest rush was an eight-yard rush. This just doesn't add up for me. This isn't the New York Giants where where you have guys like Peyton Hillis on your team or David Wilson, who is injured right now, or Brandon Jacobs. You have Adrian Peterson. Run the ball. All right, we're going to get away with that, away from that because I just want to get in a better mood right now. Giants finally win a game. Don't put much, too much stock into it. Let's see what they can do when they play the Philadelphia Eagles this week. New York Jets beat the New England Patriots in an overtime thriller, which included a very questionable penalty at the end of the game. Bill Belichick was not happy about that. Quite frankly, it's a penalty that I don't even understand. <clears throat> but it involved a Nick Folk 42-yard field goal. I, Like I said, I, I'd, I'd try and explain that, but it'd just be one of those things where I'd be in the middle of expl- trying to explain what the penalty was, and my head would just explode in the middle of it. Leading receiver for the New England Patriots, welcome back, Rob Gronkowski. Eight receptions, 114 yards. He was targeted 17 times. Julian Edelman, who was their next best receiver, had 10 less targets than that. He was targeted seven times, five receptions for 44 yards. And all the critics are saying out there that Tom Brady tried to force the ball to Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski is Tom Brady's steady target, so it's understandable kind of like a security blanket in a way that Stafford has with Calvin Johnson. Tom Brady's a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford, of course, so he's going to make receivers look better. But I got to tell you, with the bunch that they have in New England, by the way, New England, how's that Danny Amendola experiment working for you? You starting to miss Wes Welker yet? Wes Welker was one of Tom Brady's best targets. Tom Brady had some of his career better years with a guy like Wes Welker as his number one receiver. Wes Welker enjoyed the best success with Tom Brady as his quarterback. And he's going and he went to Peyton Manning. So Peyton Manning's got to be really happy about that, licking his chops about that. But Danny Amendola was coming in touted as the guy who could be the next Wes Welker. 
Amendola can only do that if he's healthy. Amendola's never been healthy over his career. He's I've never I don't remember him ever playing all 16 games. I guarantee you he didn't last year. I had him on fantasy. He didn't play all 16 games last year. He won't this year. He he is still hurt and there's no telling when he will be back. Speaking of Peyton Manning, the Indianapolis Colts, his old team, beat Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have multiple opportunities to win this game, and I'm sure Peyton Manning would say the same thing. No Sean Moreno wouldn't have fumbled. They had a chance to at least tie the game up, if not win it on an onside kick. No Sean Moreno fumbled the football. Denver Broncos didn't play their best game. I think their defense has been a little bit lackadaisical from what we've known them to be these past couple weeks. They allowed 19 points to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars, who I will get to them in just a minute. That is the second best amount of points they have put up in a season. I think the Denver defense is going to be fine. Consider... They get several key players back in the next few weeks, and also, and especially Von Miller. But also, I think they sat back and was like, eh, this is Jacksonville, who cares? I think that the Denver Broncos defense, this losing to the Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning's former team, I especially, I think this is going to help wake the Denver defense up and they will be ready to go next week. They play the Washington Redskins this week, and we talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville's playing San Francisco in London, their annual London game. wonder if London regrets bringing the Jacksonville Jaguars to town yet because Jacksonville's 0-6. They aren't going to do anything this season. I'm actually predicting that they are going to go Two and fourteen at best. I think they could join the Detroit Lions in the zero and sixteen club. And there have been teams that have started with a really bad record. The Indianapolis Colts, when they started zero and twelve, the year Peyton Manning was hurt, I knew they were going to get a win that season because they ended up benching um, Curtis Painter, who was terrible that season. Orlovsky Lions fans remember him. I knew they weren't going to go in 16 that year. The Jacksonville Jaguars, on the other hand, I have no idea. I believe they they could go in 16. They played the San Diego Chargers last week, only mustered up six points. San Diego, got in the, mean, in the meantime, got 24 on them. By the way, if you have an opportunity to pick up a team that is playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you have an opportunity to pick up their defense, I highly encourage doing that. I've done it to great success the past couple weeks. Chad Henney threw for 318 yards. He's the starter again this week over Blaine Gabbert. Really, it doesn't matter who you start. It's Jacksonville. Neither option at quarterback is going to be that good. The team's not that good. And we move on to our next segment. Coming up, We've got a little bit of a transaction here from the Detroit Lions. We're going to say goodbye to one player and hello to another. 
You're listening to the Lions Den on MSU Impact Sports. Welcome back to the Lions Den on MSU Impact Sports. As I said before, we do have a bit of a transaction to talk about, and it involves actually one of the players that I liked on the Detroit Lions. I'm very disappointed to see him go, but definitely understand why he is, because the emergence of Joseph Fourier add to the fact that the Detroit Lions have Michael Williams coming back next year, who is a highly touted tight end coming in for the Lions. Uh, Tony Scheffler was cut on Monday. I'm, I was pretty surprised that they didn't IR him. Tony Scheffler has a concussion, and he was scheduled to start working out again this week. Lions ended up cutting him before he could. I'm surprised they didn't IR him, simply for the fact so they don't have to pay him the remainder of his contract to, for him to just be out on the streets. Scheffler could also receive treatment from the Detroit Lions team and work out at the facilities even while he was on IR. But he enjoyed his career best year back in 2011 in terms of touchdowns. In terms of yards, it was 2007 with the Denver Broncos. But he had six touchdowns, 26 receptions, 42, targeted 42 times and in 15 games, had 347 yards. Yardage also came in 2008 with the Denver Broncos with 645. Consider that he had Jay Cutler throwing to him back then. But in 2012, Tony Scheffler, if if you don't remember, became more or less what a slot receiver for the Detroit Lions. Lions had um, Will Heller at tight end still, and they also obviously still had Brandon Pettigrew. Scheffler proved to be a very good backup for Pettigrew. But when the Detroit Lions lost a lot of their depth at wide receiver, when Nate Burleson broke his leg, Ryan Broyles tore his ACL, and the whole situation with Titus Young happened, Lions needed a reliable receiver to go to, and that turned out to be Tony Scheffler, even though Tony Scheffler was a tight end. As I said, the emergence of Joseph Fourier really kind of put... um, Fourier, or excuse me, the emergence of Joseph Fourier really made Tony Scheffler expendable. They also once again have Michael Williams next year. And the Lions also need help at tackle. So I, I see why they cut him again. You could have put him on IR. They could have saved the roster spot that way. Who knows what the Lions brass was thinking about when they did that. We'll never know. But the Detroit Lions brought in Barry who? Barry Richardson, offensive tackle out of Clemson. He made his NFL debut in 2008 with the Kansas City Chiefs. He spent the 2012 season with St. Louis where he started all 16 games. And I can imagine that part of the reason he didn't stay in St. Louis is the fact that they have some guy named Jake Long. Michigan fans may remember him. Michigan State fans may remember him. And he was once again signed to provide depth after Corey Hilliard and Riley Reef went down versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Reef is apparently still 
experiencing a tight hamstring. He should play this week. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Corey Hilliard's the more questionable one, considering Corey Hilliard said he has a knee injury. He does expect to play soon. Jason Fox is still hurt. Lions need depth at tackle. So this was a very good signing in my mind. But now that you're up to date with that, we're going to go into the fantasy update right after this. You're listening to MSU Impact Sports. It's the Lions Den. Welcome back to the Lions Den. It is now time for the ever-popular Lions Fantasy Update. Let's jump right into it. Matthew Stafford had a pretty good game last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he truly was rewarded for it points-wise. 26 points last week and 136 on the season. Lions don't have that great of a passing defense. But let me let you in on a little secret. Neither do the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys have the 30th ranked passing game in the NFL. Or passing defense. Lions have the 5th ranked passing game in the NFL. Watch for Stafford to throw it a lot this weekend. I would start him this week. Reggie Bush has 9 points last week, 86 points on the season. Reggie Bush has been really hot and cold. I'd sit him considering the Dallas Cowboys have a decent running defense or rush defense. I would I would sit Reggie Bush until he truly gives you a reason that you should start him. Like I said, hot and cold. He'll put up 20 points one week and then give you like five the next week. Seriously, that's what his trends have been this year. Calvin Johnson had 27 points last week. He has 82 points on the season. Calvin Johnson would have more points had he been healthy. He wasn't healthy the two games before that. He missed the one game, and then he really didn't get the targets, but he also was injured still the game before. I, do I really need to say this? Start Calvin Johnson. Lions defense and special teams, one point last week, 56 points overall on the season. They're playing the Dallas Cowboys, who have a very good passing game. They have guys like Miles Austin and Des Bryant, of course, on their team. Tony Romo, who's still a decent quarterback, even though he can never get it done in the playoffs. I sit the Lions defense this week. Speaking of the Lions and Cowboys, we're going to go into our preview next. You're listening to the Lions Den. Welcome back to the Lions Den. It is now time for the Lions' next game preview. They're playing none other than the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys games that the Detroit Lions have played have been a lot of fun to watch from the Detroit Lions having that miracle comeback against them back in 2011 where Tony Romo fought. But the Detroit Lions blue uniforms were actually the Dallas Cowboys white uniforms. I don't know. And Jim Schwartz calling Des Bryant something that I can't repeat on the air. You can look it up on YouTube. It is very entertaining. Yelling incomplete, you blankety blank. This is what it's going to be. Bad passing defense going up against good passing offenses. 
that's what this game is going to be for the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. The Detroit Lions have the the fifth best passing game in the NFL. That is going back, that is going up against the pause, pause, 30th ranked passing defense in the NFL that the Dallas Cowboys have. They've allowed 291 yards, and they've only allowed 102 rushing yards. Given that the fact that the Lions, I'm still convinced, don't really have a running game. It's improved with Reggie Bush, but I'm still convinced they don't really have one. Do I really need to say that we're going to look for Matthew Stafford to throw the ball a lot in this coming week? Both teams have allowed in the low 20s of points scored in the upper 20s. So it is a very even matchup all the way down to the record. Their home record, the Lions home record, two and one. And the Dallas Cowboys road record is one and two. It's going to be a very interesting game this weekend. The Lions won't make any attempts to rush the football. Cowboys have a decent uh, rush defense. The Cowboys, like I said, have a very good pass game as well. They are eighth in the NFL going up against the, um, the Detroit Lions passing game, which really is not much better than the Dallas Cowboys, if we're being honest here. They have the 28th uh, pass. They have the 28th pass defense. This is going to be come down to uh, who throws the last touchdown. I'm pretty much guaranteeing it. The thing I, that gives the Detroit Lions the edge in this game, in my mind, is the Dallas Cowboys haven't beaten a truly good team. Yeah, they've lost to teams like Kansas City, who's undefeated. They've lost to the Denver Broncos, who up until last week were undefeated. Still, Denver is a very good team. They've also lost to the San Diego Chargers. San Diego isn't that good. Not playoff good. And that's where Dallas wants to be. Dallas is in a very weak division right now. Philadelphia only mustered three points on them. You've got the Washington Redskins, who have done pretty much nothing this year. The New York Giants, who have done next to nothing this year, other than what they did last week, but you also heard my rant about the Minnesota Vikings. This helps the Detroit Lions' chances. Because the Lions have beaten pretty good teams this year. The Cleveland Browns aren't that bad of a team. They beat the Chicago Bears, who are decent. They've beaten two good teams this season. They've also beaten two bad ones in Minnesota and Washington. And two out of three of their losses, guys, came to good teams. The Green Bay Packers and the Cincinnati Bengals. I always said that Green Bay, when they came into that game against the Detroit Lions, was better than their record showed. The only bad loss that they had, I'd say, was against the Arizona Cardinals. So as always, I give a score prediction for the Lions game each week here on the Lions Den. And I am going to say that the Lions, it will come down to who throws the last touchdown. Detroit Lions 31, 
the Dallas Cowboys 24. That's my prediction for this game. That's your next game preview. Impact Sports End Zone is next. You're listening to the Lions Den. Time for tonight's Impact Sports End Zone on the Lions Den. I know it's a very sad time for you all. Lions Den is over for a week. I'll be back next week. Don't worry about it. Hopefully it won't be a week from H-E double hockey sticks for me. Glad to be here with you. It kind of takes me away from what I'm actually here for, which is school. Two projects due in two days. Not really excited about that. But we're going to get back into the Detroit Lions real quick. Basically, let's talk about, in today's version of the end zone, what have we learned today? I think we've learned that Stafford is truly coming into his own as a quarterback. He looked very comfortable in that game. And yes, he had his security blanket in Calvin Johnson healthy. But he was very comfortable, made very quality throws. And overall, I think he is on his way to being an elite quarterback. He's not elite yet. You can't say same old Lions for this lion this past lions game against for the loss against the Cincinnati Bengals. They played their hearts out. They left it all out on the field. No boneheaded penalties, no boneheaded plays. Chris Houston got burned. Those things happen. Sam Martin shanked a punt. Those things happen. Lions played well. They didn't play great. They didn't play spectacular. They played well. Nationally, Minnesota stinks. Patriots, can't but you can't even name one of their wide receivers right now. And Peyton Manning was dealt his first loss. Jacksonville keeps on losing. Goodbye to Tony Scheffler. Hello to Barry Richardson. Um, and all I like I said, watch for the Detroit Lions to pass a lot in this next game. We're gonna have a good recap coming up next week. I'm hoping for, and then just think about this. After they play the Dallas Cowboys, the your Detroit Lions, they go on they go on their bye week, and then after that, they play the Chicago Bears again. How great is that? We come back they come back to the division and we get to see a game against the Chicago Bears, which is a very good game in the first the first time they played them. My question is, will Jay Cutler be healthy by then? I'm not entirely sure he will be. So the Lions may be facing one of their own ba- their former backup quarterbacks in Josh McCown. You may not really remember him. That's because he didn't make much of an impact. He was the backup quarterback in 2006, which was Rod Marinelli's first year, a name most Lions fans would like to forget. In John Kitna's first year as the starting quarterback, he really only played receiver. Josh McCown, I don't think he took any snaps at quarterback. He's now the backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Lions may very well see him. Stay tuned for that. You've been listening to the Lions Den on MSU Impact Sports. My name is Aaron Jordan. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Lions Den on MSU Impact Sports. You can tune in next week for more great Lions insight. 
For more sports coverage, you can go to our website, impact89fm.org sports. Yeah.